You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, Jeremy Reisman here, uh, co-host of the POD cast, of course. Uh, I'm just recording an intro here for a couple of mega episodes that we did. Um, Thank you, first off, to everybody who contributed during our Movember campaign. We raised nearly $25,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. In fact, we might cross over that number today when I'm recording this. Um, Also raised a a bunch of money for the Crisis Text Hotline. Um, And thank you to everyone who joined us for our big mega stream on Tuesday. It was a lot of fun um, and and. You know, um, we, we got to talk lions for a very, very long time, and that's what this is. Um, we, in, in case you missed any of our interviews, um, we are doing two mega interviews of uh, mega podcast episodes, I should say, of five interviews each, part one and part two. This will be part one. Let me tell you what's ahead and the order in which our interviews go. This episode will start with Dave Burkett. We kind of start in the middle of the interview because someone forgot to hit the record button. That's me pointing at myself. Um, Thomas Brown is next, Lions uh, color commentary and former offensive tackle. MLive's Kyle Meinke is after that. We reunite with The Athletic's Chris Burke. And then we finish off this episode with the amazing Dane Brugler, who talks about his mock draft that dropped this week and his selections for the Detroit Lions. So all of that is in this episode. Everything else is in an episode coming later. Two mega interviews uh, we'll have timestamps in the uh, description if you want to jump to a specific interview but again thank you to everyone who donated to the movember campaign uh, we really appreciate it. it's a lot of fun and i can't wait to do it again next year for one of these guys i mean i i, I guess i don't know um you know enough about how like let's say a cj stroud is there at number two how that draft grade would shake out i, I think i would be comfortable if i was the lions knowing that i had another pick uh let's say it's another top 15 pick all right just for sake of, of argument here knowing that i had a another pick that um i could get a really good defensive player at three and if there's a player that i like you know will levis that maybe i'm thinking i need to go to nine to get i might be able to maneuver with that second pick so i don't know that i would sell the farm to go up and get um the guy that's you know maybe my number two quarterback on the board but i do think it's important for the lions to to draft one and look maybe you can play chicken there too right like uh, i don't know that you know that cj stroud's draft grade is is look, look quarterbacks always get pushed up and we know that um but you know, let's let's see who else is, you know, is Carolina going up for that guy? Or are they comfortable with the Will Levis too? Uh, as I look at that top 10, I don't know that there's a ton of teams in that top 10 that are going to be, um, you know, tripping over themselves to take quarterbacks. So um, if I'm in the Lions situation where I play chicken, I'm comfortable taking that really good defensive player and trying to that quarterback position time down the road. Do you, do you have, I, I know you probably haven't had a ton of time to, to spend looking at the quarterback class, but do you have maybe a, 
a tiered ranking at this point or, or is that something you're, you're going to, I like Bryce young. I mean, I've, yeah. I've watched him enough to know that I, I think, and I realize there's concerns about his size, right. That that's probably the biggest thing, but I, I just think he's a baller. Like he makes some plays like, um, you know, to me, I've, I've always thought he was the number one quarterback in the class. Like the Stroud things a little, you know, I like him, but yeah, you know, you watched that game last week too. And uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people that would have some pause to, uh, you know, have their team take him. So I get that. Um, you know, I think Levis has a lot of tools you know, I've, I've watched him a little bit. I have a couple games on my, my DVR sort of save that uh, when I, when I dive into this a little bit more in the off season, but he obviously has some tools that, that I think you can work with, you know, some mobility and a, and a big arm. Um, you know, I, I watched Richardson last week, a little bit, that Florida, Florida state game. I watched yeah. him once early in the season. He's super intriguing, but he's super raw. So I, I don't know that anyone's taking him that high, but right. again, if you're a, a team like the lions and, and maybe you have, uh, you know, you're comfortable sitting your quarterback for a year, develop, you know, Jared Goff still under contract. Maybe that is someone that you, that you take a little bit later on down the road, but I, I wouldn't take him, uh, you know, let's say with a top 10 pick. Well, that, that led right into my other question, which is the other half of that. Like, what do you what do you do with Jared Goff for next year? Yeah. Do, you, do you do you get the the twenty million or so in cap space by letting him go? Do you wait and see how the the draft shakes out and then maybe make a move on that? Um, it that I mean, it almost seems like they have to make a decision on that first before right. they even go into the draft. Um, so yeah, what do do you have a feeling first on what I, I asked Justin this an hour ago? Do you have an inkling on on where this front office stands with Jared Goff because it seems like they've been uber supportive of him basically since yeah. he's walked into the building, but it's kind of a strategic move too, obviously to, to keep his spirits high. Um, so, so first off, do you, do you have an inkling there? And, and two, if, if you're the lines, do you, do you kind of keep him around and, and groom a, a young quarterback or do you, do you get that cap space that you might need this off season? I think you're hundred percent right that, you know, the lions have said and done all the right things with Jared Goff, right. They, he needed the confidence built back up after LA. Like he's, he's the type of guy that, you know, the lions have said it right. They, they need to surround him with the right weapons to allow him to have a chance to succeed. And, you know, he's, he's played pretty well this year, uh, you know, at, at times. Um, yeah. um, so I, I think, but I, I do think the lions are realistic about that situation too. And that they know there's, there's a ceiling that Jared Goff has and that eventually they're going to have to find a replacement for him and they don't want to be rushed into doing that. But, you know, my, I guess part of my point is like, this is the fifth straight year you're going to have a top 10 pick and maybe know, at some point. Yeah. Right. Like at some point you get, you got to roll it and get your guy. And, um, but that being said, like, I think, Right now, I would guess that Jared Goff sticks around for another year. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, he, it's look, he's not the biggest problem. No one has ever said that's the biggest problem. It's just like to get to where you want to get to, you're, you're probably going to have to make a change at some point. So do you go with Jared Goff, a guy that you know and you're comfortable with, or, you know, that's better than a Marcus Mariota type or some of the others that you might end up rolling the dice on. You're, you're probably not finding a Geno Smith out there, you know, as, as well as Geno has played at times this year. So. Right. I would think that that golf as things stand right now, you know, that he comes back. But look, if if all of a sudden Houston wins a couple games and you're picking first, like, you know, you can get your quarterback if you want him. There's no reason to pay Jared Goff and keep him around. Right. Um, well, let's let's kind of expand that conversation just to Brad Holmes in general, because I, th I think even with with the the two sack performance and in, in five snaps from from James Houston, people are looking at this 2022 draft classes. Pretty incredible. Obviously, it's it's, it's young. And and we're talking small sample sizes here, but yeah. um, wh what do you make of first, I guess, the 2022 draft class and just Brad Holmes's job overall so far in, you know, 20 months or whatever? 
I mean, the, the class looks really good. You know, it, it does look like it could be a foundational sort of class. And you look at, you know, teams like the Cowboys and the strong draft that they had, you know, years ago. I mean, the Saints, right, that, that Dan Campbell was a part of when they had, they got, what, three or four starters out of that draft in 2017 or whatever it was. I mean, I, 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 you sort of look at what the Lions have done, not even seeing, you know, Jamison Williams yet. And you've got Hutchinson, who's a starter, Kirby Joseph, who's a starter, you know, Josh Paschal, small sample size, but, um, you know, has done some good things, obviously, you know, a little early on Houston, but certainly has some pass rush skills. So um, I think there's enough there that that you can sort of look group and say, you know, these, you know, this really could be some some core pieces for the Lions for the next few years. So um, I would be optimistic if I was a Lions fan about what they are doing on the defensive side of the ball with all those guys. Um, and I think Brad has done a, a pretty good job overall. Certainly, he'd, he'd probably like, you know, a, a, a do-over on that Levi Onzerike pick, at least from the standpoint that Levi's barely seen the field, you know, and we'll see what what Paschal situation, how that plays out. Um, it might be, especially in the second round, I might be a little, I get the roll on the dice on a Jameson, like he's, you know, high, high-end talent, and you got, you need those guys to, to really have success. Um but, you know, second round, you can get a guy that, you know, is going to play four really good years for you rather than miss a year, or maybe two because of the injury. So I might tweak my draft strategy in round two there a little bit, but I think Brad's done a pretty good job overall. Uh, let, let's move over to, to Dan, because he's obviously been a hot topic. And um, especially with with what happened with with Jeff Saturday last night, if, if you saw it, the, the whole timeout didn't call my computer here so i I get this glare out of the back (laughs) but did did you see what happened with jeff saturday last last night the the time you know i had the game off at the very end but i i did see i wasn't watching at the very end but i did see what happened yeah so so. time management is obviously a hot topic right now especially even with with dan campbell um do you you get a sense that that's a, a a big problem with with him or is that something that's maybe just being a little bit overblown do you have an issue with anything in particular that they did on thanksgiving um yeah, you know, I didn't like the time management, you know, really at the end of the game. I'm guess guess at the end of the first half a little bit there either. But I it's so easy to to criticize. I love the fourth down, the aggressiveness. And I know that gets people riled up a little I bit. Like, too. why are we going for it in these situations? Like I, I love it. Like not just because it's analytically the right thing to do, but I just think it sets a tone and you want to keep the ball in your hands and you know, trust your best units. And that's the Lions offensive line a lot of times, you know. And yeah. and so I I think Dan. And it's easy to criticize when those things go wrong because that's just what you're seeing, right? It's a lot easier. Ah, fourth and three, we punt. That's what you're supposed to do. It's in everyone's head. There's nothing to criticize there. Fourth and three, you go for it. You don't get it. Well, it's, ah, it didn't work, right? A punt never doesn't work unless it gets blocked. So right. um, I have no problem with with Dan's aggressiveness when it comes to that. I do think they've had a couple um, you know, miscues when it comes to the game management. Um, but, you know, like that wasn't, to me, the reason why they lost the game, you know, it maybe it was a, a contributing factor in, in some ways, but like you make the throw there at the end. I mean, that's sort of been my point with, with golf is you make that throw at the very end when DJ Chark was open or you throw to Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, streaking across the field, like you're not talking about the, the clock yeah. management. And so, yes, I do think Dan could have been better. I th- thought maybe they should have showed a little more urgency early on in that, that final drive. Um, but you know, I think there's there's other reasons why they've lost some of those games. Did you like the third and one call? You know, um, at first I didn't um, just because I thought like, look, if if you were going to kick that field goal, like 
run it there. And if that way, if you don't, if you're going to kick anyways and you don't get it, like that's the highest percentage thing you can do. Right. So yeah. just, um, but watching the, the play develop, like there were a couple open receivers, maybe three. So um, the play itself worked. The one quibble I guess I would have is that, you know, you go back to the Dolphins game, yep. golf through a similar pass that didn't connect mm-hmm. to Josh Reynolds. And so at some point, like maybe the coaching staff has to not call that play in that situation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought there was a better play in the moment watching the, 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 you know, film of it look like a good play call. They didn't connect on it. Yeah. Um, sticking with the offense, <clears throat> obviously Jameson Williams's return is, I guess not imminent since it sounds like he's probably not going to play this week against the Jaguars, but I guess, what do you expect to see from him for the rest of the year? When will we get maybe a full game of Jameson Williams and, Will we see his full potential unlock with with a quarterback like Jared Goff that hasn't been able to hit that deep shot this year? I don't think we'll see the full potential, and I don't think it has much to do with Goff either. I, I think it's just a matter of like a rookie in the NFL, like yeah. a re- receiver. It's it's tough to come in and all of a sudden play sixty snaps, and he's probably not going to play sixty, but you know, be a full time contributor, have the full route tree down. You know, especially with a guy that hasn't practiced or played a game in in you know eleven months right now, so. Um, but I do think you'll see bits and pieces of the speed and the the explosiveness and the reason why the Lions traded up to get him when he gets on the field. That's probably, you know, I would guess a week away. I mean, you look at what they did with 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 Josh when he came back from his injury and Jerry Jacobs really even they they took the full three week windows yeah. on both those guys, if I'm not mistaken. So um, you know, Jamison is such an important part of the, the the future of this franchise that there's really no reason to rush him on the field. Um, even though I, I do think he can, he can add an element that your passing game currently lacks. So I'd be excited to see him on the field. I don't think, well, you know, all of a sudden he's going to have an eight catch 150 yard game where people are like, wow, this is the best receiver in the draft type deal. But right. uh, you, you'll see enough that you'll, it'll whet your appetite for next season. Do you, do you, I, there's been only a, a smattering of people saying this, but do you think there's anything to the take of maybe just why, why even bring him back this year? Why risk a potential re-injury when essentially you're, like you said, you're probably only going to give him a, a part-time role yeah. here. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get the concerns, but you know what you're, you want him out there and, and getting some experience now helps next year. And we're also look we're he's 11 months removed from an ACL. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in the recovery timetable of today's athletic world, like that's, I mean, that's a fair return, right? It's, it's might even be short for some people. So I think the Lions have done their, their diligence. When I talked to his doctor way back in the spring in May or June, you know, he said that he was, he said, Jameson was now this is his doctor, right? And he's talking about just from a pure health standpoint that he would be ready to go. um, Not no risk of re-injury, you know, from the, from the jump, um, just from a structural standpoint in the knee, I guess. So I think um, it's more important to get Jamison those reps and get him on the field and get him used to, you know, the NFL for the the good of your franchise than it is, you know, that, that minute risk of maybe him suffering some sort of injury uh, being out there. Fair enough. Uh, last thing before I let you go here, uh, I'm going to ask every Lions beat writer about this today because yeah. while we can talk about playoffs, we're going to talk a little playoffs. So <laughs> for sure, <laughs> um, give me, give me a percentage chance that you think Ooh. the Lions actually make the playoffs this year. Man, you know, I uh, I think I looked at 538 last week and it was like 12% or something like that. Yeah. But um, so it's it's not it's not great, but I would say it's probably under 20% just based on, you know, what uh, 
what they what they have ahead and the the teams that they have to climb over. But look, I think the Lions are the best of the four win teams and probably better than those couple teams that are right in front of them. I mean, they beat the Giants, they beat the Commanders. The Commanders are playing pretty good football right now, um, so it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a total shock if they went on a roll here. But that Vikings game is going to be tough to win. They go to the Jets, an outdoors game. Even the Packers. I mean, that's you know, it's not an easy place to play Week 17. Probably no Aaron Rodgers, but still a good roster. So um, I think it's probably less than 20%, but you're right. While you can dream on it, you might as well dream on it and talk about it. And, and it's at least fun to, you know, have some meaningful football in December, I guess. Yeah. And I'm, I would even put Jacksonville kind of into the don't don't count that as, well. a, as a win. They're, they're coming off but, a really good game. I thought Dan Campbell brought up a good point yesterday yeah. saying, like, this is a team kind of hitting their stride like we are right now. So they can they can be a dangerous team. And I think. Considering they got some weapons at wide receiver, that could be a tough matchup for this defense. Jeremy, you're right. I, I mean, you know, three weeks ago, I would have chalked that up as an easy win. Watching Jacksonville play in the way that Trevor Lawrence has played the last couple of weeks, like I think you're right. Like there's, there's some danger in there at least. The Lions should still win that game, but the Jaguars are capable at least. And that offense is what the Lions struggle with, right? Philadelphia high scoring offense, Miami high scoring offense. I mean, I, I think they can handle the Giants and those teams that that can't put up points in boatloads like that. So if Jacksonville's offense is clicking, that could be trouble for the Lions. All right, that's Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. You can catch him at Dave Burkett on Twitter. Anything left to say there, Dave, before we get going here? Uh, 20 bucks, put on your your cheek over here. Uh, OLV basketball, that's the girls team that I coach. OLV and a little basketball, a little circle, and I got 20 bucks for you tomorrow. Done it, done, absolutely. Right. Sounds <laughs> Thanks, good. Dave. We'll see ya. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, here with Lomas Brown, obviously a uh, legendary Lions tackle and color commentator for the Lions radio. Uh, let's talk about like the last, how fun was November for you? Because we we had a lot of exciting moments. Uh, Lions go three and one, almost uh, go undefeated in November for the first time since I think 1962. Um, how, I guess, how unexpected it was it for you, given that this team started one and six and just how much fun has it been in that booth? Well, it, it's been fun to see them grow, Jeremy. That's something that you don't hardly see, or a lot of times you don't take time to see that in the team. But you could see the growth. You could see each and every week they were getting better. They were clearing up areas that they were having problems with. You could see those areas weren't as problematic as they were 
in the beginning of the year. You can just see some of the young guys growing. You know, the Jerry Jacobs and, you know, um, uh, uh, Aiden Hutchison and Aline McNeil in his yeah. second year. Yeah. And just, you know, I, I think that's one of the good things that's going on with Detroit the last two years is that we've been playing a lot of young people, a lot of young talent. Those guys have been getting better and better, and that's just going to help them later on down the line uh, with the wealth of experience that they're getting. So, I mean, you know, if we could just keep it going, close game on Thursday, man. Some things we should have did better that would have helped us, I think, win that game. But that's part of the learning process. What What are some of those things? What 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 did the Lions fail to do? I guess on Thursday night, that well, would have tipped the scales. Yeah, I, I think again when you have the penalties, they just, and, and they just come at the wrong time, Jeremy. Where they they stop drives or they stop the momentum or they put you behind the chain. So those things that we have been pretty good with them doing the winning streak, yeah. and they hadn't creeped up on us. They really came out to bite us. Uh, against Buffalo. And then, of course, some of the time management, too, I think could have been a little better in that game. And that goes uh, for the coaches, as well as you have to put some of that on the players, too, because if you have a veteran quarterback like a Jared Goff, he should be able to get in the ear of a Dan uh, Campbell and say, hey, maybe we need to melt this clock some more. Or, you know, uh, think about it himself uh, to do that. So it's, it's just little things that are hurting us and that that it creeped his head up, like I say on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and those little things add up in in a game where that's yeah. decided by a razor thin margin. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, talking about the young core, and I feel like I have to ask you about maybe one of the 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 tent posts, the the most important players to this this team's future, and that's right tackle Panay Sewell. Um, how how have you seen his game grow from year one to year two, and and where do you think maybe his ceiling is? Oh, man, he has an unbelievable ceiling. He really does. I mean, he's so athletic. And you could see Ben Johnson taking advantage of it when you see him split the big fella all the <laughs> way out. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I've ever seen something like that where so you, he's out you, you've, you've never done that. You, you were never out oh, in a wide receiver. <laughs> I wish I would have had a creative. And I had some good offensive coordinators back in the day. You know, uh, uh, Mike Shanahan was my coordinator at the University of Florida. So I had some good coordinators. But, man, I mean, Ben Johnson is just taking it to a whole other level with his creativity. And he's putting them in positions to succeed, to have success to be dominant in those positions right there. So I could just see the big fella. Just the only thing this year, I just think been holding him back again has been the penalties. Yep. You know, that's just been the one thing that's been holding him back is the penalty. So he's definitely going to have to clean that up because, again, some of those penalties, especially Thanksgiving, man, that was a big, uh, you know, big penalty. A couple of big penalties I think he had in that game. So he's definitely going to have to clear that tag. You don't want to be recognized as one of the most penalized offensive linemen in the league. Uh, but he definitely has a lot of talent. Our whole line does, Jeremy. We've done a great job. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and that staff, Hank Fraley, they've done a great job of putting together a nice assembly of young guys. Our starting five 
and the guys that come up too. The you know the the Nelsons and all of them when they have to show action. Well, I, I want to go back to the penalties thing because you know as an offensive lineman, unfortunately that's just kind of part of the business. You guys tend to be one of the more penalized positions because you have such a difficult physical job. But with Panay specifically, is that is that more of a mental thing? Is it is it a physical thing? Um, is it is it a little bit of both? I think it's more of a physical thing with him because he wants to be so physically dominating and dominant on each and every play. You know, you got to know when to say when sometime. You know what I'm saying, Jeremy? Yeah. You got to know when the guy, when you feel the guy trying to get away from you, you know, you just, you got to let them go. You just got to let them go and stuff and live with the results. And maybe that's the quarterback breaking out the pocket. Maybe you could scramble. The other thing too is, you know, again, when you have guys like that, it, it's not all about the upper body. It's about the lower body too. So it's all about him keeping his feet moving so he can try to stay even with the guy. But these guys are tough these days, man. I'm telling you, man, that, it, you know, I feel for these offensive linemen because these defensive ends are so good, you know, with their moves and these DCs, these defensive coordinators are so creative with how they use the guy, i.e. Aiden Hutchinson, with how we're using him with zone drops and, you know, some of the different things, lining him up inside, just all the different things that they're doing with these D-linemen now. I mean, one of those guys we, we saw, at least for the first half in that the game, Von, Von Miller. I mean, how, how impressive is – I know he's not a lion, but how impressive is he doing that at, what, 34, 35 years old? Yeah, man. And, and you know what? The thing about him, he's so smooth with it. So it's never like he's rushed. So that's the thing that hurts an offensive lineman because he kind of lulls you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Then yeah. he explodes on you, man. That's how Vaughn is. He And he can dip, man. He's one of the best guys that I've seen that could dip his shoulders and keep his balance. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. can redirect to where, where he wants to go. He's very, very good at that. But that's the thing that comes off to me. Man, you could be a tackle and you think he's just going to bust off the line, but he just gently comes off the line and it kind of, whoa, it kind of sits you back a little bit. And then the next thing you know, he makes a sudden movement and he's a right around you. So he's awesome, man. And I, I thought Taylor did a pretty good job when yeah. he was over there. And I thought Panay did too, man. He didn't dominate the game. He had his typical, I think, did he get a sack, Jeremy? Yeah. 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 So he had his typical sack and he had a pressure to, but he didn't dominate the game, and partly because he was in, he got injured too. Right, and and our our buddy Morgan was looking at some of the film, and some some of the times he got those wins because he was lined up against the tight end, which yeah, probably, exactly. probably not the probably not the wisest of moves, but you know. exactly right. Um, but let, let's move to the Lions' young defensive end. Let, let's talk a little bit about Aiden and, and what you've seen from him so far. Where you'd like to see him maybe grow um, from his early play so far. Yeah, I, I, again, the thing that didn't surprise me, his motor. Right. Love the motor. Remember, we talked about that. He's going all day long. And I used to tell you, I used to hate going against guys that had a motor that went all day long because those guys were relentless. That He got that trait. That's a beautiful trait to have. What he has to work on is, a, I think, Jeremy, is a second move. 
You know what I'm saying? Because, again, when they get their hands on them, when the offensive linemen get their hands on them, then what he's trying to do is well and do like this to try to get off of the linemen, and that's not going to get you off of those guys. you got to have a second move. So it's either got to be, you know, a, 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 you know, a swim or, you know, an uppercut, slap, you know, it's got to be something where it's a secondary move, which he will develop. He's going to come with it. Again, we're talking about a rookie. So he's going to have to learn that that's the one thing, because, again, that's the one thing I noticed when those old linemen get their hands on him and keep their hands on him and lock him out. It's pretty much not much he could do. You know, like I say, he starts well. And so he's going to learn that. But I like what Aaron – Glenn, I like what the Lions D coaching staff are doing with him with standing him up sometime, mm-hmm. putting him in the interior sometime, you know, putting him in the not, not a nine technique. He'd be in the 11 technique. Right. They'll bring somebody over here in the nine technique and put him out in the 11 technique, you know, getting him out there. So it's so many different ways that they're trying to move him around and make him effective. And, he, I mean, two interceptions and, you know, some of the stuff he's been doing, man, I think he's been doing well. When they say never has happened before, I mean, you know, or hadn't happened in all these years, right. I think you're doing pretty good. And and I think the other challenge for him is is like this era of, of mobile quarterbacks, right? The Lions feel like every it feel like every week they have to deal with one of those guys, and that I mean it, it almost limits what you can do as a, as an edge rusher because you have to stay disciplined to your lane. Can can you talk about you know? And obviously you were never on that side of the ball, but can can you talk to just like the challenge that is to to be able to pressure the quarterback but also stay true to those lanes? Yeah, man. Hey. Like, and I'm not doing no dirt or anything, but Jeremy, maybe one day we'll see how that feels. Right. Think about it. We've never had that here. Yeah. We've never, never had that dual threat quarterback yeah. like that. And and it puts so, like you're saying, it puts so much pressure on the defense when you got a guy that can use his feet. But for let's talk from the offensive standpoint. For offensive linemen, oh, my God, it's just such a sense of security to know that if you get beat clean, that you got a guy that has a chance, you know, to keep the play alive. You know what I'm saying? They help you out and stuff. That's from that side. But like you were saying, man, it's so much pressure that's being beat because as a D lineman, you want that you're, you're taught to pin your ears back and go after the quarterback. Well, you can't do that when you got a 300-pound lineman blocking you. Plus, you got a mobile quarterback that can escape up in the pocket or roll outside the pocket. So, again, what that does, that helps me as an offensive lineman. I know that all I have to do is sit on the inside number of that defensive end. And because of my quarterback and my quarterback ability, he's basically going to have to stay to my shoulder, stay to the outside of me. So I don't have to worry about him coming back to the inside of me. So that takes one of his threats away from him and everything. And then again, Jeremy, as I say, if I do get beat, I know I got a quarterback back there that can make something happen to try to get out of the trouble. Sounds like you're maybe 
maybe asking for a quarterback this draft. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I, I, but Jeremy, like I say, we've never experienced that. So we've yep. never we've never had that here before. Never. Yep. I mean, we're one of the teams that can that can truly say that. So, yep. and I like uh, man, I like what Jared has been doing, man. I think good Jared football. has been. I'm telling you, I think Jared has been playing well. It's only been a couple of games where I thought maybe he's been shaky in the game and everything and hadn't started off well. But even in some of those games, you can see him calm down and have stretches where he, you can see that he's a very good quarterback. So, you know, but that, I'm just saying those dual threat, that seems to be the wave of the future. No question. All right, before we let you go here, Lomas, I'm going to ask a question that I'm, I've been asking everybody so far today. Uh, it's a tough one, but what are, what percent chance do you have the Lions making the playoffs this year? Oh, so I know we're in the hunt, right? We're, <laughs> we're, our record is four and seven. Four and right? seven, like two, two and a half games yeah. out of a spot right now. Yep, and in the hunt right now. So I'll say this. I'll Looking at our schedule, we got to beat Jacksonville. No question. That's a must win. Yep. That's a must win. We have to beat them, which that was an impressive win that they had. Yes. Very impressive. So it's not your grandfather's Jacksonville Jaguars that are going to come into Ford Field on Sunday. We got to have the utmost respect for this team and what they could possibly do. Doug Peterson's doing a great job over there coaching them. So if we win, if we beat, win that game, uh, I would give ourselves a, I'll say a 25% chance. Okay. If we beat Jacksonville. I like that. If we don't beat Jacksonville, we done. Yeah, that's a 0% yeah. chance, I think, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we done. But if we beat Jacksonville, because I think we got some winnable games. Yeah. But, I, but again, Jeremy, every game, I mean, Jets. Remember before the season, all these games, I had just marked off that I thought we were going to win. Yep. The Jets, not an easy win. No, uh, Carolina had an impressive win. So that team, that's not just going to be – yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you never know with Aaron Rodgers. And I'm quite sure if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, Jordan Love has a lot to prove. So we'll see. We'll see. I do I do have one more question, and thank you to our live audience for reminding me. Um, so one of the things with, with raising money is I'm going to get a henna tattoo, which is a, a temporary tattoo. But oh. they get they get to decide what it is. And the current thing that's winning is a Mount Rushmore of Detroit Lions beat writers. Oh, and so I, I, I want your opinion on who should be on that Mount Rushmore. And and I don't want if you you don't have to give me a full four, just give me maybe some people that absolutely have to be part of that tattoo. Oh, definitely Michael Hare. Hundred percent. Definitely, definitely Michael Hare. Um, I'm saying because it, he's coming up. Well, another person we consider is Tom Kowalski. Yep. Because um, his uh, function is coming up. That's right. Month. Attending that, so that that'd be something good. But definitely, and I I like Kurt Sylvester. Oh Kurt wow, Sylvester, yeah, man, that okay. was my guy, man. So those are and, and so like these are sports who writers, right? Yes, yeah, the sports writers, sports writers for the Lions specifically. Okay, yeah, but yeah, those are Michael Hare and definitely Kurt Sylvester. Uh, two that I think have to be on there. Perfect. Well, thanks for being a good sport, Lomas. I appreciate you yes. stopping by, man. Always good to catch up with you. And I'm sure I'll see you a bunch uh, over the next six weeks here. 
but uh but yeah good luck good luck to you and, and dan for the rest of the year and uh i'm, I'm <laughs> hopeful that we could see more of those videos because that means more lions wins on the way absolutely thanks jeremy take care raise a lot of money too all right appreciate it lovis thanks yeah and you're looking good yeah yeah <laughs> things have been a little bit off the rails so far i chugged a beer at 8 30 this morning that was fun <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah let's 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 talk some lines man um first of all how, how was your thanksgiving I, I always like to ask with beat writers because i know it can be a tough day for you guys but i hope you had some time to be with some friends it was a um it was a good time you know the game was great which always helps and yeah. uh you know, it like, I mean, you've been around for enough of them at this point that you know, it gets old when you lose five straight, six straight Thanksgiving games and you're out of it. I mean, the Lions haven't been after Thanksgiving. They haven't been anywhere but last place. That's right. Since the Caldwell years um, until now, you know, and it was like just nice to be up in the press box watching compelling football, a, right. a compelling team with you know, some stakes at play and they might be, you know, I mean, I, I like, listen, I think that their, their shots of playing beyond the regular season are extremely, extremely slim. Even if they would have won the game, they would have been slim, but like to at least have the conversation, at least to have the conversation that, Hey, they've won three straight and here are the reasons why, and here are the players who are playing, you know, better and the building blocks they have going forward. I mean, it, that, it just makes for a better, better Thanksgiving. And that's something yeah. we haven't had in a long time. And that's, you know, for, for guys like us, it, that's part of our tradition now. Like I haven't seen my family in 10 years on Thanksgiving and, and it's, you know, celebrating with you guys um, uh, is part of, of my tradition. And so, you know, it was a good day from that standpoint, you know, got home and uh, cracked a beer and uh, watched some of the night game. And uh, that's about it, man. <laughs> yeah. We've worked all day. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I think people, you know, obviously most beat writers, myself excluded don't don't cheer for the team but there is a certain amount of energy that that is in kind of that writer's room when the team is doing well not because you're you're rooting for them but I, I think Justin said it well earlier today it's just like it's it's an opportunity to write something new about this team that we haven't had a chance to write for in at least five or six years it's been it's been too long man it's been yeah. too long and um you know it's it's encouraging I mean I'm not you know I it, like it it's just <laughs> It's been so long since they were even in the conversation, like I said before, and it's nice to, to have that conversation, even if, um, you know, they have an outsider's chance. Um, and, and you can see the direction they're taking, Jeremy, and I'm, I'm encouraged. And listen, it's been a tougher year than I think a lot of us expected. And, and a lot of that's, you know, with the with what's occurred on the defense. And I, I think there are a lot of like sharp questions that are fair to ask about these guys and, and what went wrong this summer, what they were seeing that obviously wasn't there yeah. um but you have to give them count you know give them um they're due for the the mid-season changes they've made jeremy they, they've benched so many guys you yeah. know they, they and michael brockers is riding the bench these days you know amani oruwarie even with the injuries at cornerback oruwarie is not playing and that's a, a difficult position um difficult move to make you got the rise of all these young guys i mean it's just really breathtaking to see the number of of rookies on the on the defensive side who are rising up and when when was the last time we could talk about that this late in the season you know right so and, and i want to talk a little bit about that because of, of dan campbell and his kind of fearlessness of of being 
of, of not being complacent, right? It, it not only with the, the roster, but with the coaching staff, right? Each of the first two years, he's either demoted or, or straight fired a guy in the middle of the season because something wasn't working. Um, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that 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 can that can be a dangerous game to play, right? Um, it could be maybe maybe you're being a little reactionary, but at the same time, it, it's it's resulted in results in the past two years. So I'm just kind of curious your overview of that is. Is that something that you think is a, a good quality of Dan Campbell or or is it something dangerous that might get him in trouble down the line? Well, all we have are the results. That's, that's yeah. the way that I look at it. And the results have been like, listen, like Dan Campbell, I, I have serious questions about some areas of his game, including the, the clock management. I really don't know what they, what they were doing at the end of the first half. Yeah. I do understand at the end of the second half uh, to some extent with the clock, and in the first half, I I don't know. Even watching it back, it's almost almost worse. Um, you know, there I mean, there are there are uh, fair criticisms to be had um, when it comes to his management of staff. I, I mean, it's been phenomenal. I think he's built a really good staff in a lot of ways. No staff is perfect, and um, like obviously Anthony Lynn was a misfire. It wasn't working out of the gate with Jared Goff in the offense, and there was immediate results when when he was effectively demoted. So I think that says a lot about the the bad fit there, which again is on Campbell. He hired him in the first place, uh, but I like the aggressiveness with which he he just does not give an f. I mean, it's like, hey, we're eight games into this, it's not working, so take a seat. Um, and, and it works. And this year, the same thing with, um, you know, with the, with the move in the secondary. And I don't know if, I don't know how much of the problem Aubrey Pleasant was, but clearly he was part of, of what Dan Campbell viewed as the problem. I think, especially with regard to the miscommunications in the back end, which we saw so many of man, Jeremy, the one in, in Minnesota this year, we're sitting up in the press box and the press box at us bank is like, it's in the back of the end zone toward which uh, Minnesota was going for that game-winning uh, yeah. drive, and we're kind of in the corner of the end zone. And I'm watching that play, and I'm just like, like it almost happened in slow motion for me. I'm like, there's nobody covering KJ Osborne on a game-winning touchdown pass, um, and we just saw way too much of that. And again, like Aubrey Pleasant was a popular coach; he was loved by his players. He's still loved by his players. And Call uh, uh, Campbell was like. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't get a given F apparently uh, 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 again, you know, and I think that, um, you know, the, the defense has played obviously so much better since that, that move. And I, again, I don't know how much of the actual problem pleasant was, but Campbell found a solution for the problems that were occurring and we've seen much better defense going forward and they've found their stride and that's on coaching. And I, I think there's a lot, a lot to like about that area of, of Dan Campbell. Yeah. And I think kind of building on top of that, to, to do such a bold move that has, you know, runs the risk of, of being a very unpopular move in the locker room, yet keeping it all together, keeping, yeah. you know, the spirits high and, and obviously turning around some of the performances there kind of speaks to his ability to, to not only build a culture, but bring in guys that fit that culture that, that, that will just kind of put their head down, go to work and respond rather than pout or whatever you want to say. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He figured it out. And um, I, I think I figured out what was going on with my camera, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had, well, I had the, I, dude, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Briquette right now, but I, I had the camera on in the background because I was doing something earlier and uh, it can't, 
they can't use you can't use the camera in two spots and so um it's still not popping up i think probably we'd have to restart it but it's all good um, i'm really enjoying i'm really Wait, enjoying just look if i that? stopped your video and then yeah try it ask, now i asked you to start would that work nope <laughs> all right <laughs> I don't know. It's you all look good. great you look great man how, thank how you. Are you how are you holding up uh so far so good we're only four and a half hours in so um <laughs> i did not expect to chug that beer but i got got myself a nice tim hortons tall boy at the, at the start of the day and we'll see by 10 p.m how i'm feeling probably not as good um, well i've never i've never seen you look better you, you're thank looking, you you're looking by the way someone in twitch chat said that about you too <laughs> that's a good one, that's a good one. um yeah, yeah. Let, i, I want to move to uh Brad Holmes, because there's a lot of hype around him right now, and um, probably rightfully so, especially when James Houston kind of comes out of nowhere and gets a two-sack performance and, and five snaps. Granted, that's a very, very small sample size, but people are feeling pretty darn good, and I, I just kind of want your overview of that. Is that, are we being maybe a little bit too, are we jumping too, too much of a conclusion? It's based on what we've seen from this 2022 draft class. Are the sample sizes too small or do you think the Lions may have found a, a really good especially college talent evaluator yeah I mean I th again I think the early results are encouraging and uh, you know the the Levi Anzarike situation is a black mark um you know obviously that's 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 turning in the wrong direction and I think there's something to be said maybe about his willingness to take on injury risk maybe being too far beyond um where it should be i think part of that is just given where they were in the rebuild right they knew they had time before they were going to be back competitive um so he was using those picks to just get the best talent period for 2023 2024 and beyond so i i think i understand the calculus even if like in the interim we had to wait a while on some of these guys and with Anzarike, we're still waiting. But I think the one thing, Jeremy, that we've seen in, in both of his first two classes is uh, like he's gotten guys who fit what they're doing. It's it's not just Madden here where it's like, give me the guy with the best rating. You're going out in the fourth round and getting a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who, yeah, he can catch passes and he can run routes, but culturally he fits exactly what they want to do yeah. and what they want to be. And that's part of the reason why, Sam Brown has popped as much as he has here. Um, and you're seeing that, uh, you know, and your question was more, more toward the, the class this year. And I think this class this year is even a better example of that. I mean, look at Kirby Joseph coming off the bench. I mean, this, this guy was not supposed to play defense like in the, at least the first half of this year, probably, right. I think they were going to work him in at some point, but obviously the, the Tracy Walker injury sped up that, that timeline. And, Kirby was rough to start and the last month has been extremely promising. Yeah. And you see the up and down, up and down the lineup. I mean, when you, when you take a guy second overall, like Aiden Hutchinson, that guy should always be a instant uh, starter and producer. But like where I'm really impressed by is what you see in these, these later rounds. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez, six round pick, like by their own admission was supposed to be a special teams guy. And two weeks into camp, we're watching him rep with the first team defense in Indianapolis. You know, I mean, it's, it, and, and he's obviously a, a good fit for what they're trying to do. And I think James Houston, to your question, is another example of that. He probably needed more time and refinement, um, you know, coming out of Jackson State than, than most of these other guys. And, you know, he spent the year in the practice squad, but, 
I mean, you talk to guys in the locker room, like James Houston was given Taylor Decker hell during practice. And, and that's a big reason why um, he got the shot that he did. And I'm curious to see what he does going forward because he was kind of like, uh, there's no, there was no book on him, right? There was no film. There's, I don't think that on a short week, Buffalo sitting there watching James Houston tape from Jackson State. Right. And to that end, Jeremy, I, I think it was kind of a, I don't know how much, like how intentional that was to save his debut for that week, but there was a lot of good things happening because it was the short week. They probably did less preparation, even with him being elevated than they would have otherwise and the thing about james houston is he is so low to the ground when yeah. he pass rushes that's that's his superpower in the pass rush i mean his bend off the edge he is so damn low to the ground um and i think that caught if you look at the tape too i think that caught i, I just think it caught yeah. he caught um the bills by surprise and we'll see if it, you know i mean that's that's not going to happen every week the, there's going to be tape out there now on him but the point stands obviously in the in the, in the sixth round you got a guy who can go out there on Thanksgiving on the national stage and, yeah. and take down Josh Allen twice. I mean, that's a, a hell of a um, development right there. And you see it up and down these classes. And I think there's a lot to be said for the eye that Brad Holmes has not, not, not just for talent, Jeremy, but how that talent fits into what they want to be yeah. and what they yeah. want to do. Right. And that speaks to what Dan and, and Brad have been saying the entire time, which is that they're, they see things so similarly in terms of the, the future of this franchise. And, yeah, I think I think so far that 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 is tracked with with what we've seen from them. Um, couple more before I let you go, and and I don't think I can let you out of here before we talk some Jared Goff and and the future of quarterback here in Detroit. Um, I I want to put it this way because I think I think the draft order right now is fascinating in that it, it would put the lines in a a pretty interesting I would say a bind because you have Houston at number one, probably taking a quarterback. Not necessarily, but I think probably taking quarterback. Then you have the Bears who don't need a quarterback, um, but need a lot of help. So they might be open to trading down. And then you have the Lions there right after them. And you probably have a bunch of quarterback needy teams right underneath the Lions that are like, hey, we don't want our quarterback to go to Detroit. So you're standing there as a Detroit Lions general manager. The Bears are on the clock. Top quarterback is off the board. Do you sit and wait and see what happens? Or do you get aggressive and get that quarterback too off the, off your board? Well, <laughs> for me it comes down to this yeah if you, you you've either got your quarterback in this league or you're looking for him mm -hmm. and to me the lions are obviously in the second category i think they believe they're in the second category um even if they can't come out and say it and so until you have your guy you need to go get your guy and that should always always be the top priority and if they have a guy in this draft whether it's stroud or, or levis or whoever else and you believe he's your franchise guy, you don't you don't mess around with that. You you just go get him. I, I mean, the, the position is too important. You're gonna have him for at least five years on a cost cost controlled contract. So no matter what you give up for him, you're getting a, a huge return on investment. Uh, you don't mess around. So yeah, I would make that trade. I mean, I would make that trade in a heartbeat, especially with the draft capital they have. It's not like right. they have to give away the whole wagon to 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 make that sort of trade. They would still have. Uh, ammunition to to go get complimentary parts. So, I mean, it's a hypothetical about something that's going to happen months and months from now. So we'll right. see what happens. But if you're just asking me straight up a hypothetical of what I trade from three to two to go get a quarterback that I believed in, that I believe I could center this whole rebuild around, 
like to me that's not even a question yeah no that's that's a really good point um obviously there'd be some consternation about trading with the with the bears but we know brad holmes is not afraid to do that and and certainly wouldn't be afraid to do it if it meant getting a franchise quarterback um um last thing i want to and and this is i this is putting you on the spot so feel free to just punt this question (laughs) but uh as part of our november campaign uh when we reached fifteen thousand dollars that meant i'm getting a henna tattoo and (laughs) it looks like based on the the vote from from our live audience they can vote with their the money that they're donating essentially they are voting on a mount rushmore of lions beat writers (laughs) <laughs> as as the tattoo so my question is to to you is who deserves to be on that mount rushmore and i know some of these people are your friends so again if you if you don't if you want to kick the question or if you just want to say one or two guys that, that deserve to be on there uh just kind of curious your your thoughts there well there's a lot of good hard-working detroit lions beat writers out there as you know we all sit in the same room together uh, i think everyone deserves to be on that mount rushmore besides uh, justin rogers so i would say i would say the entire beat core besides justin is is what i would go with if you have enough room you know <laughs> and i how about we put him on but just x him out <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> all right kyle uh, appreciate uh you making some time uh of course any, man. Any, anything you want to promote while while we have you here uh well, I mean, we have the podcast now, Dungeon of Doom. Go check it out. Ben and I, Ben Raven and I are having a lot of fun doing that. Um, but no, I, I don't want to promote, promote anything on my end. I, I just uh, wanted to say, like, I, I appreciate you reaching out and that I could be a part of this. It's cool what you do every year with this. And uh, it's for a good cause. I wish you could see me. I actually, I have the mustache right now in oh, solidarity. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, alas, uh, just my my voice will have to suffice. I'm not sure what was up with that. But thank you for, for having me on. It's really cool what you guys are doing. And, I appreciate uh, that, Kyle. You know, best of luck today. You're, you're really looking great. So I, I love, what, <laughs> thank you. Thank love you. what you're doing with your life. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that, Kyle. We'll, uh, I'll yep. see you tomorrow. Yep, see you, bud. All right, bud. Chris, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Looking good. Ready for the match. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking good, too. I, yeah, I love the rep in the U.S. here. Damn, I've got a I've got one of those wall, Waldos in the back. I should grab that. It's, uh, it's always tough to decide which jersey to go with. I still have the, like, uh, the, oh, sash, the sash one. one? Yeah. yeah. I, wore the, I wore the other day for the England match since they... So 2012, was the vault, 2012 were the Waldos, and I think those are goaded, but... <laughs> I don't think these this year is one. These are bad. These are are shaky. (laughs) I've got a friend at Adidas who's been running victory laps because Nike really bombed this World Cup. (laughs) Well, well, Chris, let me let me start out by asking you how your Thanksgiving was, because you finally got Thanksgiving off. First of all, congratulations on that. And then I'll obviously Saturday was probably a big day in, in the in the Burke household as well. So. How how great was the past? I don't know six days or so. <laughs> uh, Thursday was weird. I, uh, I yeah, I haven't been to like my family Thanksgiving in like s- several years, so yeah. I wasn't sure <laughs> what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, but it was—I mean, it was fun to watch the game with like my kids and my dad and stuff. I haven't, yeah, I mean, I haven't had that experience in a long time, so. Uh, it was cool to be on the other side of it. It was a fun game, obviously, um, until you know it wasn't. But uh, <laughs> no, it was it was fun. It was definitely different. Um, this whole season's been 
sort of weird like that for me. I just, you know, like yeah. feel like I should be tweeting during games and like <laughs> paying attention, doing some of these mock drafts with Colton and things like that. And so it's been weird to step back and, uh, and take the back seat. But yeah, it was Thanksgiving was nice. And obviously Saturday was, uh, you know, I, I, uh, sort of went in, tried to go into it with the same expectations as last year, which was they're going to get killed and right. <laughs> that just take it. They fool us again came. in a positive way. I'm not <laughs> so, used to this. That's what I, I'm going to just keep, keep with that from now on. Just <laughs> always expect a blowout loss and see if I can <laughs> work from that mentality. How'd were you, you do Saturday? Were, were you like, were you like Jeremy and were, and you know, originally you're like, all right, the lions are hanging tough with the best <laughs> team in the NFL. There's no possible way I can get mad about this. And, and I will keep an open mind and keep context. And then you just didn't keep your promise on that final drive. Yeah. I mean, I, it feels like that happens in most of their losses, <laughs> right, <laughs> frankly. Right. Um, where you're like, oh, this is a, it was the Minnesota one too. Like, yeah, oh, that was a pretty good game on the road. Should beat that team. And then like they kicked that field goal for no reason and lost the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is hard, especially because I think you see the obvious. I mean, this has obviously gotten better in the last yeah. four or five weeks even. Um, and you're looking at the schedule saying, all right, well, maybe, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe, right. um, but then you have stuff like that happen and you sort of get reminded that, um, a, the part that's been true for a long, a few years now, definitely since they traded away Stafford is that the margin for error is just so razor thin for them that they yeah. can't afford one, like when Jack Fox, even after the field goal, when they kicked off through the end zone, instead of kicking it to like the two and trying to tackle him and waste like seven seconds, like, yeah. uh, I don't know about that one. Right. <laughs> that one feels like it's going to hurt him. Um, so it's just so razor thin for them. Um, and then the other thing is that I think we've seen that Dan Campbell still is not quite there from a game management perspective, and at least in those moments. Right. Um, and so I don't know. It's probably the same thing there that he you know he said about just winning close games like you got to do it like you got to figure it out and if you don't then stuff like that's going to happen so yeah i don't know it was definitely i don't really yeah i don't know i'm sure you guys have talked about it a ton already, yeah, so. I, I, I wonder about that with former I, i'm starting to wonder about that with former nfl players too because like i mean a lot less experience but jeff saturday also really oh, mangled God. the clock on monday <laughs> that that has so. to just be an inexperienced thing right like I, I think it is and i think you know dan campbell as much as he'd had the assistant head coach and with the saints like he hasn't i, I think know. he's still getting some game time he's, experience is, in that regard this is essentially year three for him though right like if you no, if, if you tack on the half season that he did for the the dolphins like we're we're thirty some games in here. You, you should be learning some lessons, and and not that he hasn't shown improvement. And and, and you know, there's <clears> other <throat> things that he's doing that I think are positive, like all the the fourth down aggression. Um, <clears throat> but but I want I want to throw it back to you, Chris. Like, I, I'm curious as your kind of outsider perspective because, obviously, yeah, the last month of Lions football has been good football and entertaining football, and and we're seeing some young players progress. But how do are are you convinced like maybe this isn't fool's gold? Because I feel like a lot of times we've we've gotten a good stretch of lines football only for it to come crashing down quite quite quickly and suddenly. And I and I you have kind of made a more maybe more of an outsider perspective now. And I don't know if that's more valuable or less valuable to us that are maybe a little bit too close to the team. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, just kind of your your thoughts that like maybe this is real. I mean, I think the reason 
for me that it feels like the two reasons that it feels like it's not fool's gold is that this offensive scheme seems to work regardless of who's out there to some extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, the quarterback situation is something you got to figure out moving forward, but um, they, they've made it work with every receiver out of the lineup essentially and swift heard and um, the offensive line banged up. So I think that that's positive and you can kind of, I think that's also why you kind of dream about, well, if you put an all pro quarterback in there, like this is going to be something. So I think that's the one reason. And the other thing is that just the, it's especially on defense. Um, it's been the young guys, right? Like that's sort of what you needed this year. You didn't, as much as you liked having Anzalone, I mean, maybe, maybe not liked, maybe liked as <laughs> as much as they liked having Anzalone back and, like Charles Harris and Brockers was there as a veteran guy and um, Hughes, like all these veterans coming in, like you needed to see the young guys develop and improve. And I think um, that's clearly been what's sort of sparked this thing on defense is you're getting that. So I think that that is, again, like you said, it's a, you know, it's a four game window, five game window where it's been pretty good. So you want to see it extend through the end of this year. But I think that's really the, especially defensively, the reason for hope is that it's, guys that you would expect to be here for a while. And so you can start saying, all right, well, this isn't, let's just piece together things on one-year contracts. Now we can really actually build around something for once instead of, you know, just uh, finding these like mercenaries in the middle of October to come play some games for us. So, um, I yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. If they lose to the Jaguars, I <laughs> reserve the right to backtrack, but I think it's moving forward. Well, you, you are kind of more on the on the draft side of things, so let's 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 move that conversation there. Another <laughs> another reason to be excited in Detroit is they currently have a top three pick. Yeah, I'm editing um, Dane, Dane's mock draft right now as we <laughs> took a break from editing Dane's first mock draft. So. Oh, so you're not going to give us any spoilers, are you? Uh, <laughs> you some don't of you to. will be happy, and some of you will not be happy. So it'll be the same. As yeah. Usual. So yeah. <laughs> Um, we're, we're actually going to have him on in about an hour and a half. Here, oh, there so, you go. I'll so let maybe, him spoil it. Then. Maybe, maybe we'll see if we can get it out of him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, let, let's, let's talk right at quarterback here. Um, the, the lines are obviously going to be in striking distance of, of getting a quarterback, maybe not the top quarterback. Seems like it's going to be tough to pry that from Houston. So what's your, what's your thoughts on this year's quarterback class? Is there, is there a good fit for Detroit specifically how deep, do you think the Lions should be willing to maybe test this draft class or maybe kick the can down the road a, another year? Um, I I mean, I don't think they should kick the can down the road entirely. And I mean, I feel like we in, like in the press room had this conversation every year after they hired Bob Quinn and he did the draft a guy every two years, you got to do it. And then he just didn't do it. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, again, you know, even going into the last draft, you're like, well, they should take someone. You got to take someone. And then they didn't. Well, take we heard anyone. last year, Chris. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Maybe last year, Chris, it. just wait until 2023. The quarterback class would be so much better. <laughs> right. Now it's this. Now it's 2022, uh, three coming up and it's the same song and dance. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think there is some value to taking a guy in, you know, the, the sixth or seventh round, even and just, like Miami took Skylar Thompson in the seventh or whatever. And he's, played for them and it's been okay (laughs) just to have someone. Um, But in terms of this class, I mean, yeah, Bryce Young is the guy, like as I look at the offense and what it is and what it could be and what it's missing, especially like that's the one, you know, it's those plays where they sort of break down and golf can't 
do anything because it's just it's just not the type of quarterback he is. You know, it's not even necessarily anything against him or the way he processes the game or anything. He's just not that guy who's going to go out and make something out of nothing. Um, so Bryce Young's the guy, and then it does get pretty tricky after that. I mean, I think there is an argument certainly for for C.J. Stroud, but um, I don't know. I don't know that you'll you'd be a hundred percent comfortable with that pick knowing sort of where the flaws are in his game. I don't personally love Will Levis. I see the picture there, the background. But, That's not, uh, not a personal endorsement that, uh, that was caused by uh, our live audience. I, uh, I like for me, that's, that's more if you're picking at like 15 mm-hmm. and the board falls the right way and you like what he does in the, you know, in the draft process here, you make that pick. That's not a pick at three or four. Um, I've sort of come around a little bit, to be honest, if like Anthony Richardson specifically, because, and I, this, people are probably going to hate all of this. <laughs> um, if you're talking about like, okay, we can't get young, we can't get a plug and play starter. The idea of sitting Richardson behind golf and also using him, like you put Richardson in there on that third and one against the bills and run a QB read a QB power. You're moving the sticks and then golf comes back out and runs first down. <laughs> like he's another weapon for you in yeah. that offense as he develops. And, and so you don't completely get the guy you need to run it, but you maybe get a guy in spots who can help you kind of bridge the well, like gap. A, like a Trey ready. Lance situation, although hopefully, yeah, sort of, with a better yeah. hopefully more, more successful than Trey Lance. <laughs> right. right. And then you trade him. Uh, <laughs> I, I I've got a few questions on Anthony Richardson first to defend to defend Levis first. I know that like I did see who was it the former Eagles uh, player personnel executive uh, TJ McCrate thinks he will be the first off the board, which seems like a stretch. But he also thinks Levis looks like Ben Roethlisberger. I, I don't know whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I want to do two yeah. things on Richardson though. Number one, um, it's become a bit of a trope that people are saying he needs to go back to Florida and get more seasoning by playing another year in college. I personally think that's a, that's not going to happen. B he's not served by going back to a college system versus jumping into the draft and immediately getting pro ready uh, seasoning. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. And I guess the second thing when talking about actually, let's, let's just start there. Cause I just blank on my <laughs> second part. I'll, I'll get you the second part, but first on that, like there, there's been a bit of a trope that Richardson should go back to Florida do you yeah. think that's going to be the case or is that even smart? Um, I mean, I do agree with the Levis thing that I think there will be some teams that love him. And he's also a super hard guy to evaluate because like, mm-hmm. they just fired their offensive coordinator like 15 minutes ago, I think. Oh, um, yeah, it was a bad Kentucky. And so he, they did a tear. It was a, the offense didn't make any sense for him. He never they never let him run this year, which is one of the things he is most dangerous at. Uh, guys were banged up. So like this year is really hard to evaluate him off of. Um, so yeah, I think there will be some teams that really just fall in love. He's more of like the size and, you know, the prototype, right. than Bryce young. So, um, for Richardson, if he goes, I think he's going to be a first round pick, maybe late first round, maybe slips into the early second round. And so for him, I think you're talking about, do I go back to next year when, Caleb Williams, Drake right? Man. You're already if you're kicking the can, you got Caleb Williams, you got Drake Way, May, maybe JJ McCarthy. There's a bunch of guys in that class that look like they're going to be NFL caliber. So I don't know. Maybe he maybe he cracks that top five next year. Maybe he's in the same spot 
where he's the fourth, fifth guy next year. So I don't know that he gets a ton of value from that. I sort of agree with you um, in terms of the development process. You know, I don't know that the Levis conversation is a perfect example. Like a lot of times it doesn't help you to stay in college because you're not going to get better in the ways you need to get better for the pros. His case is a little different because I think some of the stuff you could see the progress on, you know, just the, just the baseline of reading defenses, making decisions quicker, like that sort of stuff I think can develop more over a year, Mm -hmm. especially in a good offense and with a good coaching staff. So, um, I would see the value there for him going back, but I, I mean, I think that's probably why I, it's on the fence because you also put him in an NFL building. I mean, the tough part is if you go to the NFL, even that scenario I laid out where he's sitting behind golf, this is the thing teams run into all the time. How do you get better? Right? Like you're not getting right. You're not getting the reps. reps. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you get better? Uh, how do you develop that stuff that you need to develop? If you're, if you're the scout team quarterback in, <laughs> in the NFL. Um, so it is tricky, but I, I mean, I don't know. I think if he goes like, as I think about him for Detroit, I'm thinking they'd have to probably move up to the bottom around one to get him. So uh, that comes with its own degree of risk. Yeah, obviously, risks, Right. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I guess it's dovetails to my second question, which by the way, um, Florida's offense, not great either. No, yeah, right. Florida <laughs> roster is terrible. Um, but I, I guess this dovetails in my second question. If he does come out this year, if he is starting behind, you know, Jared Goff, if he's maybe used in certain packages, if I, I guess my question to you is if Jared Goff struggles in 2023 and Richardson's on the roster, how much do you trust considering all of the drastic moves he has made as a head coach? I, I think it's worth worth considering this. How much patience would Dan Campbell personally have to keep him on the bench and keep him, you know, learning the offense versus making those, you know, extreme moves and trying to throw him in as a starter? Yeah, well, and I think that to some extent, that's why they haven't been drafting quarterbacks, because I think Nick Baumgartner and I were just talking about this yesterday. They. Because they've gone, I, I think it's fair to say that last year they went pretty far out of their way to make sure Jared Goff was in a good headspace. Yep. And to some extent, I think you could go back and argue that they didn't really want to rock the boat when Matthew Stafford was there either. Um, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily needed to at that point, but uh, I, I think that they've been in this spot across multiple regimes here where they had starting quarterbacks that they didn't want to really disrupt a whole lot. And so I do think that that is, if they're considering sticking with golf for another year, I think that is a huge part of the conversation is what's the leash going to be? How's Jared going to handle this when we draft a quarterback at whatever it is, 13, 23, wherever they end up taking a quarterback and then people immediately want him. I mean, it's not going to be where the fan base is like, all right, let's take our time. It's going to be the right. first time Jared right. Goff makes a bad throw in camp. They're going to be like, we got to get him out of here. Throws one of those get 360 Richardson passes. Um, 360 yeah, no right. scope. Yeah, as, as, as Hamza called them. So, it is, I mean, it is some, certainly, I mean, you can't, if you're, if you really are thinking Anthony Richardson or Hendon Hooker, you know, coming off the ACL obviously changes things. Penix but Jr. Maybe. Penix, like one of these guys is someone that you can build and develop and, and be your guy. Um, you can't shy away from it because you're worried Jared Goff's going to go off the deep end. But 
I do think it is a consideration if you think you're a playoff contender next year and you're going to say Jared Goff's our quarterback. It's fair. You got to weigh sort of how much yeah. you want to throw a wrench into that into that equation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't envy these decisions. Certainly, <laughs> it's easy to sit back and be like, oh, they should just take, you know, just just take a quarterback at 31. I'm sure it'll work out. <laughs> right. Um, but I do think that that is part of it for sure. Uh, I got a couple more. Um, let's let's talk about other draft prospects. Let's say because this is a scenario that I'd like to to bring up all day today because the Bears are currently at two, the the, the Texans are currently at one. I yep. think if that's the situation, someone is going to try to jump the Lions, which potentially means two quarterbacks go off the board before Lions are even on the clock. So let's say that happens. Let's throw a quarterback out of the conversation for now. Who are some of those top guys that the Lions could be circling at non-quarterback positions that high? I mean, Jalen Carter is the one that I think, even if the quarterbacks are there, yeah, even if it falls the way the Lions want it to, like even if the Texans rip off three in a row here and the Lions are picking one, like I think you've got to have that conversation because he is that good. And I think um, you put him next to what we've sort of seen the development from McNeil and with Hutchinson, maybe Julian Okora. I mean, it, you can dream pretty big about what that defensive line would look like. And yeah. I think that that's also been not only is that having a guy like that who can penetrate on passing downs from one tech, three tech, sort of the easiest way for a de- defense to get good. It's also the thing the Lions have not had since Sue, really, right. I guess. Right. I mean, they've had the guys in there that have done okay, but they haven't had a game record there. So I think that Jalen Carter is the one. Um, I mean, you'd consider Anderson because of how good he is. Speaking <laughs> then, of another position that they haven't had performers at for yeah, a very long time. I mean, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy's up there too um, from uh, from Clemson. I think that, you know, maybe talk about edge guys. Um, I I saw Nick and Colton gave him Keely Ringo the other day. I don't know if you feel, want a cornerback, but Ringo, Christian Gonzalez, uh, as the David Blau connection, um, <laughs> former David Blau connection. So, I mean, there's definitely, it's a good, if you're picking top 10 and you're not taking a quarterback, it's a really good year to get a guy for your defense. And I think you, in theory, could, it's going to be, if they do go defense with that first pick, it'll be really interesting to see if they just load up. Like, if this is the year they really go all in on defense, or if they make, like, a luxury pick, like, I don't know, takes take your X receiver and just have that guy. I don't know. It's a lot of different ways they could go, but I think it's a great year to think about defense in the top five, top 10, because I think that the talent is better on defense than it is at quarterback. So. And that's what was lacking last year, right? Like <laughs> Hutchinson's been been great, but he's not that kind of elite level talent that, that you were hoping it to, I think. Yeah. I mean, and that was, and same thing with all those guys that, yeah, you're right. With all those guys up there, that was the conversation. And it was like, oh, this is not the best year to be picking up here. And the quarterbacks weren't there really either. So, um, but this year, yeah, I mean, this year certainly sets up better for them for sure. So um, I I don't know. Carter's the one I keep coming back to. And I think a lot of people will keep coming back to because just if you continue to get what you've gotten from McNeil and Hutchinson, and you put Carter in there, and he's as good as everyone thinks he's going to be. I mean, that you suddenly have one of the best defensive lines in football, right? Like, and that changes everything for the yep. entire franchise. Uh, last one for me. Uh, we've been asking this question to everybody, um, just for fun. Uh, percent chance that the Lions make the playoffs this year? 
Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I mean, (laughs) I was looking at it yesterday. It's just, I I actually think, like I said, I could see where they get hot here. I think they're going to, I do think they're going to win these next two. I think they're going to be six and seven, go to New York. Yeah. I think they're going to meet the Vikings. I think they're going to be six and seven. It's the Jets after that, I think, right? Yep. So Jets yeah, chance to go to seven seven. So I mean, I think it's I think it's a viable possibility that they get to nine wins, but it's just hard with where the NFC's at right now. Yeah, they probably they probably the need Giants to get Giants and commanders and all those teams falling apart, even though they've got the tiebreaker on a couple of those teams. It's hard to see everything falling the way they need it to, but I don't know. It'd be interesting to get into December and have the conversation for once. If, if they win those next two games, people are going to be out of control. It's it's going to be fun. Yeah, good. I mean, I hope right. it is for people. Right, <laughs> deserve it to be fun. Hundred percent. So. I, I enjoy that it's house money and the question of of tank versus pl- versus stretch for wins is just not on the table here. I really thank, have to thank, thank the Rams. You, for thank that. you, Los Angeles Rams. Exactly. Jeez. Wow. Um. Actually, last one. Just um, what what are you got? What are you up to over at the athletic? What can people be looking forward to? Obviously, there's a Dane Brugler mock brewing. Uh, yeah. Not sure when that's getting dropped. You don't have to let us know if, if that's even been decided. But I'm just hiding in the shadows over here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Dane, Dane Dane can pitch it himself if he's coming on. But it is it is running tomorrow, so people okay, can check you. that out. Um, we've obviously got a ton of I got. We got a really good draft team over there, which Nick Baumgartner is part of, uh, Nate Tice, Deontay Lee are the other guys. Um, it's all super smart, and we're uh, shifting pretty quickly into draft mode here. So yeah. um, Dane's mocks up, uh, and then you know, a ton of stuff coming in the next few months here. Just uh, you know, we'll have people uh, on the ground at all the All Star games and everything, and um, I don't know. It should be a lot of fun, I think. And it's yeah, the. From the Lions' perspective, it is really – it's crazy to think that they could keep winning and still end up at two or three. Right. Um, it's just such a, a unique – well, I guess it's not that unique because Philadelphia is doing the exact same thing. <laughs> but say uh, <laughs> unusual situation, I guess we'll call it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it will be fun. And uh, I, it's my favorite time of the year anyway, the draft season, the off-season stuff. So looking forward to getting into it. I, I lied. I have one more for you because yeah. my chat lot reminded me here. Uh, I've been so it, since we crossed over fifteen thousand raised for the Alzheimer's Association. I have to get a, a henna tattoo, and oh. they have collectively decided that it's going to be a Mount Rushmore of Lions beat writers. Oh my goodness! Um, so give pitch that me one or like... two one or two people that need to be on that Mount Rushmore. I don't. I know you're friends with a bunch of these people, so I don't want that you. That sounds to... like a terrible idea. Yeah, oh no, I, I can't believe the Aaron, I can't believe the Aaron Rodgers tattoo lost. Uh, is it all timers or is it yeah, current I, beat writers? Assuming all timers, I would say you got to put O'Hara and Killer on there. Okay, would be that, the two for me. That's uh, been the consistent start. two. I think that's yeah. I got to go those two. Beyond that. Man, can you like, could you like sneak Lomas in there or like? We just talked to Lomas. I asked him the same question. I forgot who he said as the third guy, but he said the same first two as you did. Just man, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. show bias toward anyone. <laughs> that's that's uh, fine. That's why it, that's a tough. I question mean, to Burkett is Gower. the uh, PFWA rep. True. For, uh, 
for the Detroit area. So maybe Kurt's just on, yeah. on that alone. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the one that, that Lomas threw out there, which That's I hadn't even one. thought of, but. Yeah. We'll think about it. We'll think about it. You can you can DM me your answer if you want it off if off. I would put TJ Lang and Lomas Brown with Michael Hara. I might have (laughs) a veto option on TJ Lang for reasons I don't want to get into. Um, But but Chris, thank you for joining us, man. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you had a a happy Thanksgiving there. And uh, and we'll we'll hear from you again soon. Once we get into draft talk here, full mode, um, I'm sure we'll have you back. Yeah, anytime. Happy to come on. I'm gonna go and, find. Uh, I'm gonna go find my USA Waldo. Uh, jersey right <laughs> we got 10, now. 15 minutes here, so <laughs> yeah. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and thanks for doing this. this is uh, awesome that you do this every year. So uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. Hey, there he is. How's it going, Dane? Hey, what's up, guys? Not too much. Not too much. Appreciate you uh, making some time out of your busy schedule. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, pleasure's all mine. I appreciate you asking me to be on. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to pepper you with a bunch of questions, uh, mostly Detroit Lions focused and mostly about the 2023 class. But before we get there, I kind of want to talk about their 2022 class because you were way ahead of the curve on it. Uh, I think you, you graded it the, the fourth best one in, in 2022, specifically like you called your shot on Malcolm Rodriguez being a stud. So I guess what what do you like about that class? And, and I don't know how much you've been paying to paying attention to how they've been playing, but Lines have basically gotten production out of almost everyone short of JMO. So um, what what did you like about that class and what do you like about the class? Yeah, I mean, well, somehow sometimes it just plays out that way where uh, a lot of the players that you really liked in the process ended up in one class. And that, that was the case with the Lions. And, you know, I was a big fan of Kirby Joseph coming out of Illinois. Um, now he's had his moments up and down, but as you would expect from a rookie, but I think, you know, you can see the promise. You see why they drafted him in the third round. Uh, the guy's got ball hawking skills. Uh, you love the length. You love the athleticism. And, uh, you know, as the more and more he sees the quicker, I, I think he's going to be breaking on these passes and, uh, getting his hands on more football. So, um, you know, it's, and it's funny because, uh, at this time last year was when I really like, okay, this is my guy. This is, and at that time, uh, you know, he wasn't, I, Illinois, the coaching staff thought he was going back to school because they, right. uh, they, you know, he wasn't a guy that was considered high on the radars. And then all of a sudden Kirby Joseph was like, Oh, okay, well, maybe I should start talking to agents and all this. And it just kind of all went, you know, it flourished from there and ended up being a third round pick, which is great. Malcolm Rodriguez, just a, a fun competitor, man. I mean, when you watched him at Oklahoma state and, and then you dig into his background and, you know, he's a do everything athlete, former quarterback, just the, the, the competitiveness that he plays with. Um, he's just a guy that you want to bet on. And I, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, feeling like, man, I'm too low on this guy. I think I had him like a late fourth round grade on him or something like that. I remember I was like, man, I'm too low. And then he ended up falling a little bit, a little bit farther and just, yeah, w- a great pick for the lions. And then, um, you know, in the first round with uh, when you had the number two pick with uh, Nate Hutchinson, it kind of makes it easy. Um, you know, he he really made evaluators think outside the box a little bit because he doesn't have the requisite length that you want. He uh, you know, some of the things just weren't matching up with what you normally expect from a number two pick, especially when a guy like Javon Walker is number one who checks all the boxes physically and, and, and with the traits. But Hutchinson, when you watch his film, you just, you know, you're like, okay, you know what, I'm going to bet on this guy. Even if he's not never going to be a top five, top seven rusher in the league, he's going to compete for double-digit sacks. You know, he's going to be a guy I'm going to rely on versus the run, versus the pass. Um, And then I can't wait to see Jameson Williams on the field. Um, I mean, he was 
he was my number two receiver behind Garrett Wilson in the draft, um, just ahead of um, uh, London. And I, the speed is special. It just really separates him. So I can't wait to see him on the field healthy and, you know, what he could mean for that offense. Not alone there. I think Flags fans, it's it's, <laughs> it's going to be an exciting December for a team that's somehow still in the playoff hunt too. So, um, yeah, yeah. I I, I want to jump also to uh, now the 2023 draft because uh, one of your comments has kind of gone viral amongst Lions fans um, when it comes to uh, the quarterback class, and I, I, you might know what I'm talking about already. Um, but uh, a certain quarterback comparison uh, to Jared Goff. Do Do you want to get into that? Yeah. And, you know, I look, I get it. Um, and I, I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, first off, comparisons are never apples to apples. You know, it's just it's it, you you try to pick out certain traits that are similar and things like that. It's play styles. Um, and we have to remember Jared Goff is the number one overall pick. OK, this isn't like, uh, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a, a quarterback who is you know deficient in a lot of areas. I mean, he, he's a. Uh, and he, he's part of the reason why the Lions are, are winning some football games right now. Um, sure. You know, the the offense is is really moving. So, um, you know, with, with Jared Goff, what you liked about him coming out of and, and, and also I point out too, like for me, being a guy that focuses on prospects, you know, like my view of Jared Goff, you know, obviously I've studied him in the NFL just, you know, because that's that's part of my process. But, you know, my view of Jared Goff's maybe a little bit different because I when I think of him, I think of him in a Cal uniform and, you know, all the tape that I watched, uh, you know, of him as a prospect. And so that that, you know, the, the lines are blurred a little bit. But with hit with uh, Jared Goff, you saw a guy that was. Uh, a rhythm passer. He was accurate. Um, you know, can move a little bit, but that wasn't you know really the focus of his game. Um, you know, he could anticipate. He had a good feel for where to go based off of pre-snap reads. Um, you know, doesn't have big time velocity, but can make all the throws necessary. And everything that that I just said matches up with C.J. Stroud uh, from Ohio State. Who, um, you know, I my biggest issue with Stroud is I think in today's NFL. To be, you know, ideally the quarterback you want is not just uh, a passer, not just a creator. You have to be both. And I think that's what we're seeing from some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And ideally that's what you want. To me, like Goff is more of a passer. He's not a creator. CJ Stroud to me is more in that passer category, not the creator. Um, and, and that's that's my hang up with, with him. I think he's an outstanding, he's a smart, outstanding rhythm quarterback, very accurate um uh, the ball placement is there um I, the way he can identify coverage is pre-snap when using motion or uh layering the football down the field um you know he understands where to attack the defense and i think that that matches up with jared goff quite a bit but when things are outside of structure when the play breaks down he has to move from his spot he has to move the pocket that out of structure that that's not where he is the most comfortable it's not that he's a bad athlete it's not that you know uh, you know, he can't do it. It's just that's not where he is the most comfortable. And I think that's kind of falls, you know, with with Goff a little bit, too. He can do it here or there, but you're not if he's going to be running and moving for, uh, you know, with different as the play breaks down and trying to move the pocket consistently. That's not really his strength. And so with C.J. Stroud, that's what I worry about with him. So it just, you know, structurally, uh, he's a very sound quarterback. But again, you get him to move, you get him, um, you know, off a little bit. It's it's not just pressure. It's 
you know, confusing him with what the defense is doing. That's what gets him off his game. That's that's what takes him out of rhythm. So not a perfect apples to apples comparison, but I think there are some parallels there that, um, you know, make it where you can compare the two. The Lions with the Rams pick are sitting at three right now. And yep. if the quarterbacks aren't in the conversation for them and they, and they decide that they want to go, if the quarterbacks go one, two, even um, they're going to be looking defense. Cause that's where a lot of their holes are. And so uh, Jalen Carter there is a, they have a big needed defensive tackle. Jalen Carter would make a lot of sense. Uh, but yep. Will Anderson is also sitting there uh, from a, from a Lions perspective. I don't necessarily want to say which one do you, would you peg better, but like, um, is can you talk about the advantages of, of of those two defensive prospects and what one would bring as opposed to the other? Yeah, and I, well, uh, I, I think you could make a case for either one. I mean, we're talking about two mm. special players, and you know, it's not like there's a wrong answer here. It's okay if you want a guy like Jalen Carter can give you that interior disruption. Um, his body control and his power are really impressive. His block destruction is special. And I think that's what you're really you're you're betting on with him is uh, just the different ways he can attack you because he, he he can dip his shoulder, get skinny through gaps. He can be an explosive looper where, you know, get him moving on stunts, um, you know, laterally. He, he can be, uh, you know, avoid those blocks. But at the same time, the way he can strike with his power and get guys moving, get guys moving in reverse, that natural power is explosive. So with Jalen Carter, I mean, there, there's a lot of selling points there that make you think, okay, this guy, you plug him in right next to Ali McNeil, that that's a pretty special duo. Uh, and spoiler, I've got my first mock draft of the year coming out tomorrow on the athletic. Um, and at number three, I have the lions going with Jalen Carter. Now I didn't have, I didn't have much of a decision to make because, well, I guess I, um, I could have gone quarterback, but um, Will Anderson went number two to the Bears in in this mock. So it didn't come down to those two defensive players, but um, I decided not to go quarterback at three. And with Carter sitting there, I just think it makes too much sense. Um, but, you know, Will Anderson, if he's on the board, personally, I would lean towards him um, just because of everything that he has to offer. He's you know, traits wise, he's got everything that you want, um, except with one one exception being not he, he's probably about 245, 250. He doesn't really have that broad, stout frame, even though he plays like it, um, you know, as much attention as he gets as a pass rusher. He's actually a better run defender, which, uh, you know, I did not expect going, you know, I really started studying him last year over the summer um he's a better run defender than pass rusher and he's a pretty good pass rusher so um you know he's the guy that has a lot of special to him and uh both these guys Jalen Carter um well Will Anderson especially in terms of just the character and the way he works the way he wants to be the best that's something that uh you're not gonna have to worry about with him um you know both these players it's it's not a hard sell you know you're gonna go into that uh war room stack your board and say if we end up with either one of these two guys we're gonna feel like we hit home run uh, in the first round. We we talked to Chris Burke earlier today, and he was literally looking at your mock draft while while we were talking. And <clears throat> I, I thought I was going to have to pull your your lines pick out of you, but he offered it up for free. Appreciate that. Um, I, I'll Chris, give you one. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold thirteen. Okay, I'll give, I'll give you the one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, uh, very simple question: how how many quarterbacks in this class do you have a first round grade on? Because obviously, quarterback is is of thought here and maybe that's maybe that's your pick at 13 we don't know but um how, how many do you think have a chance of going i guess in the first round here yeah i know for me personally like it's a it's a fluid process um 
uh, Bryce Young, I would be surprised. You know, Bryce Young, he's been my top quarterback now for um, you know a couple months, um, and I'd be surprised if that changes. Um, I think there's a I have a gap between Bryce Young and the next quarterback. Uh, it just with Bryce Young, as long as you can get past the size, you know, it's he's a complete outlier. As long as you can get past that, I think he's going to be the top quarterback, your top quarterback. Now, if you can't get past the size, then it becomes a little bit of an open-ended question. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a fluid process to figure these guys out. You know, does Will Levis from Kentucky, does he go to the senior bowl? How does he look there? Um, you know, cause with all these guys, it's, it, it's not as simple as all oh, just, you know, watch the tape and see how they play. I mean, you look at Will Levis and what he's doing at Kentucky new play caller this year, not doing him any favors. The offensive line is nowhere near what it was last year. They lost a couple NFL guys off that line. No Wandale Robinson. Um, and you know, we really haven't seen any of those other targets step up this year. So with, uh, you know, what, what I always say with quarterbacks is you have to try and separate the reasons from the excuses. And it's tough with Will Levis because there's a lot of blame to go around. And some of that blame belongs to the quarterback. So, uh, you know, how much better does he get with a better situation? Uh, you know, is it how much do you uh, how much blame do you put on the supporting cast? And so it's it, it's tough with him. And then with C.J. Stroud, who I really do like, um, I just again, my questions with him as a creator are what I worry about. Um, and you know, him outside of structure, those are things that, uh, bother me. I don't know. It, and it, it, see with, with a mock draft, I, I, it, do, it doesn't matter what I think will happen or what I think teams should do. Say it like that. Um, I, my mock drafts are all what I'm hearing, what teams are telling me they think are, is going to happen. This player is going to go between pick three and 15 or this team we think they're going to go offensive line that, that i go off of that um and based off of that i got a lot of split opinion on cj stroud some think yeah he's he's going to go top seven it's going to happen others said no he's going to fall he's going to fall you know maybe the end of the first round and so it's just there, there's split opinion uh around the league and you know what last year up until the week of the draft i was said I, or i had people telling me look these guys are going to go. These quarterbacks, you know, they always go. They're going to go this year. And one quarterback in the first 73 picks, you know, and, and part of that is the advanced scouting. Uh, talking to, you know, different uh, NFL guys over the summer, they all kind of came to the same conclusion is teams were willing to be patient. Instead of reaching on a Malik Willis, on a Desmond Ritter, uh, you know, whoever, I, they decided, hey, you know what, next week, next year's class looks pretty good. Let's just, let's, we'll, we'll wait and be patient. And you know what? Next year's class, the 2024 class, looks even better than this year. And so will it be become a trend? Will we see teams this year be more patient? Uh, and the Lions are in that, in that mix as well. You know, they might like one of these quarterbacks. Do they love them enough to, you know, pull the trigger? Or do they say, hey, you know what? Next year with Caleb Williams, with Drake May, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers could end up being something. Uh, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan looked pretty good over the weekend. Um, you know, if Anthony Richardson uh, from Florida goes back to school, what does he look like a year from now? So um, it's, you know, not every front office has and head coach has the patience or the job security to do that. But I think the Lions, with the situation they're in, they're going to have a plan. And if they like these quarterbacks and not and they don't love any of them maybe that's that's the plan is to wait until next year uh i'd like to go back to defensive tackle for a second um i mean jalen carter is obviously the, the top guy and then um brise is, is not too far behind him um probably in that top 10 top 15 range um mm -hmm. but the, there's a big gap after that right and so if you're looking for a starter 
uh, or if you're looking to try and draft a defensive tackle that has the potential to, to come in and challenge, I, I don't think there's that many in this class. Um, just off the top of your head, um, how many are, are there any other defensive tackle names that kind of stick out as someone who might be able to come in and compete beyond uh, Carter and Brise? You know, it's it, I think it's a, a it's a deeper defensive tackle class than especially than we had last year. Last year it was probably the 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 worst position in last year's draft. This year mm-hmm. it's a little bit better. But it's, uh, you know, I, I those two, uh, yeah, Carter and uh, Brzee were the only two that went in the first round of my mock draft that's coming out tomorrow. Um, and, and so there, I think you're absolutely right. There is is, is a gap. Um, and it depends on what kind of defensive tackle you want. You know, Mozzie Smith from Michigan, um, you know, the feedback on him from teams is probably going early second round. Um, you know, he's he's more of that nose. Um, you know, he's got athletic traits, but more of that nose tackle. Um, uh, Siaki Ika from Baylor, again, another nose tackle, probably going to be in that mid-second round range. Um, a, a player who is gaining some momentum from teams if he declares. He's only a redshirt sophomore, but Johnny Newton at Illinois uh, is a guy who can get upfield really quickly. And uh, he, he's more than just, uh, you know, that initial quickness. He can get off blocks. He anticipates what the uh, what the offense is doing. And he's he'd be more of that three technique, more of a guy that uh, can give you a, a little more pass rush. Um, you know, if he comes out, he, you know, as long as, you know, character and injury and all that stuff checks out, the tape says he's a, a day two pick. Um, and so I, I would say Newton is a guy to, to keep on the radar. Um, and, and then, you know, Byron Young from Alabama is, uh, is a good player that I don't think gets enough love. seems like Alabama has got a defensive tackle every single year that goes, uh, somewhere on day two this year, it's Byron Young. Um, and then there are, there are a few other nose tackles that I like, you know, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, um, young player, still just 21, even though as a senior uh, wrestling background, really strong. Um, and he's not just a nose. He does give you a little bit of pass rush value as well. So this defensive tackle class is not, you know, I only have two in the first round right now, but I do think there's some depth there. Uh, you, you know, you can wait into the second, third, fourth round, still get a, a good a quality player that can come in and compete. One of the Lions bigger needs going into next year. Um, Dane, appreciate your time. Um, I'll give you a second here to promote your stuff. Obviously look out for your, your mock draft coming tomorrow on Wednesday. Um, are, are there any athletic? I know there seems to always be some sort of athletic deal going on. Do you, do you know of one right now? Uh, well, we just finished our, our Black Friday deal. That's so right. I'm not there. I'm sure there's one going on right now, um, but I'll have to check on that. But yeah, hopefully people check out the mock. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I put it off doing one until I absolutely have to. Um, so this is my first one of the year. It'll you know, it's funny. I, I went back and looked at last year's mock just to see what it looked like. And I had Aiden Hutchinson going number one uh, in that one. So um, and that was right off the Ohio State Michigan game last year. So no surprise there. But, you know, it's interesting how things I think Trevon Walker was the 10th pick. So it's interesting how things change over the, the course of the process. And I, it'll be no different this year. It'll it'll change as the process goes on. Um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be fun to see it play out. So hopefully people check it out and uh, love to hear the feedback. Yeah, and that's DP Brugler on Twitter as well if you want to follow. For all your little musings about the NFL draft, Dane, I couldn't thank you enough for, for making some time for, for a second straight year, which I really do appreciate. So uh, have a happy offseason. I know it's, a, it's about to be busy season for you. No, thanks. I'm already looking for uh, next year. That'll be fun. All right. Sounds good, Dane. Thanks again. See you. 